Welcome to the Imperfect Leader Podcast. I'm Scott Neal, your host. Today, our guest is Amber Jones, Social Media and Marketing Director at Forest Park Church in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I'm excited to introduce Amber to you. I want you to get to know her a little bit more and understand her journey from just attending Forest Park to becoming a staff member. We'll get to the interview in just a moment. Before we do, just a couple of things I want to let you know about. First of all, I'd love for you to go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave a question or a comment. I read each one. And I care very much about what you think and how we can improve the podcast. Also, on September 28th, we have Unbroken 2018. It is a worship experience. We're inviting churches in our area. We're inviting as many people to come and be a part of this evening of worship and engagement. We are excited about it, and we'd love to have you a part. If you're within driving distance of Forest Park, come and be a part of this incredible night, Unbroken 2018, on September 28th here at Forest Park Church. You can find more information about that on our website, and uh, we'd love to have you be present that evening. Well, let's get to the interview with Amber Jones. Sit back and learn about her, her journey, and I'm excited for you to get to know her a lot better. Welcome, Amber. Thank you very much for having me. I'm glad you are here. Well, you are on staff, as I mentioned, at Forest Park, but your staff journey is interesting. Uh, You've been here for how many years now on staff? It will be nine years in November. Nine years. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just a couple months from now, we're celebrating your ninth year here on staff. You've had an interesting journey on staff here. You've Mm -hmm. not always done what you're currently doing. So let everybody know a little bit about your your journey, because you're the longest staff member we've had here yes yeah so we've kind of gone through some staff who've come and then they've moved on and different things but you've been here almost the entire time that Mm -hmm. we've had staff so tell us a little bit about your journey uh, kind of how you began and and then we'll get into a little bit of what you're doing now yeah it's funny because um, nine years has flown by in my opinion Um, it's been really fast a fast journey but um, I was working at a daycare actually the daycare that my kids went to school at as a uh, teacher in the four-year-old classroom I have a degree in elementary education and stayed home for six years and then went back to work part-time and I did not really like it very much Mm. I was um, burned out with it I had two small kids and I was having to um, you know be on for 14 four-year-olds all day and it was very tiresome to me and I was looking for a change and um, Lana who was a good friend of mine I talked to her about some things and she I guess knew that the church needed some extra staff members um, some of the talents that I could bring and so she approached me about coming on staff part-time and I was like me what in the world like I was very insecure about it um didn't think that I would be a good fit or didn't really understand like what I could do to bring to the table and um, I just started praying about it talked to talk to you about it talked to Dale about it and just felt like this was a good move for me and I stepped right into that role and I never looked back nine yeah. years ago now, when you first came on what exactly were you doing at that time so um, when I first came to Forest Park I joined the worship team um, that was kind of my first mm-hmm. step and I um, Bob Chambers was the worship pastor at that time, right. and he started handing some different responsibilities to me, and I was picking set lists and um, helping vocalists and doing some of those things already naturally as a volunteer, and so at that time, Bob Chambers wanted to move into more of a spiritual formation pastor role, and so I just picked up a lot of those roles 
from him and just started leading the band, um, leading the production team. At that time, I had never led anything. I was just a stay-at-home mom. Mm -hmm. I had worked in schools, worked in daycares, and then I had a team of 60 people that I had to be responsible for at that yep. time for three services. Um, and I just tried to jump in and do the best that I could. Did it feel overwhelming at the beginning? It did, but I was excited too. Yeah. Um, I think that it was just kind of a whirlwind because it was so fast. I didn't have time to second guess myself or I just kind of jumped in full force with what God wanted me to do. I was, um, you know, my relationship with him was, was stronger than it had ever been. And I felt like I had a lot to give at that time. And so I just jumped in and learned what I could. You know, Bob helped, you helped, Lana helped, Dale helped. I had a lot of support around right. me at that time, which was key and paramount for my success. Right. And um, so I felt very successful at that time with what I was trying to do. So. Now, you've been here through the um, staff changes as people have moved in and, and moved on and different things of that uh, nature and through a building program as well so you've seen the church go from a couple services to multiple services and and a new building and you've been very elastic I guess in your is a is a good word to use in your uh, willingness to shift and move and do different things so you've not only helped in in worship you've helped in a variety of areas here at sure Park. absolutely what are some of the other things that you've done um, some of the things that I've done is I've helped with the design of the new building mm -hmm. that was very fun for me yeah. um interior design and picking everything out and furniture shopping and paint shopping and floors and countertops and where other people would probably be like oh that was very exciting right. for me to and you're, and you're very gifted at that mm -hmm. we've had a lot of people come into our new building and talk about just the way it looks and you know and they're like, how did you guys you know choose this color or what made you think of doing that and i just constantly hey this is amber amber sat down and just looked at things and looked at color schemes and found good deals online and people walk into our building and are you know many of them are you know pleasantly surprised i think at how it looks and and uh and then i tell them hey amber saved a ton of money by getting yeah. things purchased uh inexpensively built donated um paint colors are simple but yet they look great so you oh, had sure. a you had a blast doing all that, I'm sure. I had it was yeah. so fun, and I had a good team. Right, we had a lot of people that stepped in and built things and tried to save as much money as we could, and right. so that that was a very fun process. Yeah. We did an excellent job with that. Thank well, you. you've moved away from leading as far as the worship ministry here at Forest Park, and today you are the social media and marketing director. Uh, give everyone an idea of what some of that, and there's no way to explain all of it, but what does some of that include now sure. for you? That actually is a new position for me, and I'm trying to work out all the kinks um, myself and try to, I'm looking at some different churches who do social media marketing really well, um, trying to get a strategy in place for our church that we can be the best that we can be. Um, but right now, I'm trying to build a team of photographers and videographers and people who can create content um, for social media. And basically our goal is to reach a, a different par uh, part of the community that we haven't touched yet. Um, there are a lot of people that will never come to our church that will never step it through the doors for whatever reason. And I feel like our job as a church is to try to reach as many of those groups as we can. And so um, one of the ways that we're trying to do that is through our social media and online presence, which is huge right now yep. in our culture. And so um, I'm just really trying to get a 
bird's eye view of what that looks like for our church and try to figure out how we can reach our community in that way. So that's how exciting. important do you think it is for churches to be in the stream of social media? I think today? it's hugely important yeah. um, for us because that's our culture. Yeah. That's where everything's headed. That's the, you know, the generation Z. That's how they connect right now. Um, and I, I definitely believe in the connection that we get online. I mean, in person right. um, and live. But I also think that if we kind of we're going to miss things if we don't look look to that other um you know place in yeah. the community yeah. where people and that, that is come. a constant evolving area i mean it's it just, absolutely is goodness, it changes every time we turn around there's something new yes you know there's a new social media app or there's a you know people are shifting over here etc i can't even keep up with all of it but you guys do a fantastic job yeah we we are really looking at some churches who do it really well in different parts of the country and um you know we're trying to bring some of that flavor here and and keep our authenticity at forest park and keep our brand but also you know appeal to that that community right so a lot of the marketing that we do is is online not Mm -hmm. not as you know, you go back years ago and the marketing was billboards or you handed out things, you know, flyers that you handed, put in people's hands. And those those areas, I guess, still have some some role to play. But most things are online today. They do. And I think that, you know, a billboard and a flyer can't reach the heart like right. social media can when you're trying to inspire people. Yeah. And I mean, that's what as a church, that's what we're called to do. Yeah. And so that's just a huge piece of the puzzle, I feel. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back uh, years ago to when you were a little girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're with your mom and your dad. You, you grew up here in Elizabeth City. Yes, area. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you went to school here mm-hmm. and your whole life has been here. Um, you have one brother, Ricky. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you think when you guys were back home and you were, you know, with your parents, how did you think your life would, would unfold? What did you expect? Hmm. What did you see? How did you see yourself today way back then? Yeah. What do you think you'd be doing? I mean, I, I think that I always thought that I would be here in Elizabeth city. I didn't have a lot of grand dreams to go off and do this and move away and, um, different things like that. I've always just kind of been a home person and, um, I knew that I would, that I wanted to be married and, and wanted kids. And I think that I just always thought that I would be a teacher or something in that profession. I never thought that I would be doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. So you didn't see yourself ever on the church staff? No, Yeah. I did not. Now you grew up in church. I did. Absolutely. Your whole life was, Mm -hmm. was in church and you sang and part of everything going on in the church you were there all the time yes but you had quite an interesting journey with church as well Mm -hmm. Um, I've talked to you several times about you know how things were when you were a kid in church and and you had good churches but you just had an interesting uh, journey there tell us a a little bit about um, what church was like and eventually the tension that Mm -hmm. built in your life with church and then it kind of led you to when you were a young adult, almost checking out of the whole thing. Oh, sure, and then yeah. back around again to where you are today. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, like you said, I grew up in church, started singing in church when I was very young, probably eight years old with Amy Grant soundtracks. Mm. Um, and I think that for me, with my personality type, just the environment, the church environment that I grew up in was just not a healthy one for me mm-hmm. with my personality type, just because I'm a people pleaser. I, you know, I want to do the right thing. Um, and I feel like 
my concept of God growing up was not a healthy concept of God. Um, and that's through no fault of, of anybody. It was just kind of the way that I formed who God was at that time in my life. How did you see God? Well, I thought that he was constantly um, trying to tell me what I was not doing, that I was not good enough, try, waiting for me to make the, ma- the next mistake so he could zap me on the head or take this away or punish me for this or, you know, different things like that. And um, so I felt like I was constantly hiding from him, even though you can't hide from God. I was constantly trying to hide from him as well as people around me and not actually give them the full honest story of what I was feeling and what I was going through a lot growing up. And um, just that constant hiding and constant basically lying about how I was feeling a lot of times just led me to, to some dark places. Now at this time when you were in the, um, the hiding mode, Mm -hmm. you were still involved in church. Absolutely. So you were getting up and singing. Yeah. Leading, uh, teaching children's church. Would you you say a lot of those Sundays was just faking it or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Did you realize you were faking it? No, I don't think so. I think that, um, I was just trying to do what I felt like I had to do in order to keep up appearances or Mm -hmm. keep, you know, the facade going. Um, I didn't really look at it too deeply. I think that I was in such a dark place at that time that I didn't really analyze. I just did the best that I could do to get through the day, yeah. basically. Yeah. And um, so now I know that that is you can't live that way. No. So was there a reason you weren't honest with people? I think it was just that I, I didn't want um, people to actually know what was happening. Yeah. I just wanted everybody to think that everything was okay. I wanted for everything to be okay, mm-hmm. and I wanted other people to think that everything was okay. I didn't want to hurt anybody or disappoint people or, you know, anything like that. So it wasn't something that you were doing in an effort to lie. You just no. thought, you know, if I tell people what's going on, you know, it, it's yes. just either either they won't accept me or reject me. Did you, did you, yeah. did you somehow have... Um, this fear that you were a hypocrite or oh, yeah. that you were broken and other people were truly happy and yes. you were the one in the church that really wasn't. Yeah. That something okay, was okay. wrong with me. Like right. something was very badly wrong with me. Okay. And I just didn't want to open that can of worms, I guess. So it was right. just easier to keep going and keep going and keep going. And then finally I crashed. Well, obviously. Was like, there a hope that if you kept pushing and you kept smiling and you kept going, eventually you would be okay? I think so. Yeah. Um, I think so. Now that I look back on it, you know, because there was no, um, you know, praying to God to mm-hmm. help me or there was no relationship. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus at all at that time. Wow. And you were singing every yes. week and you were part of the choir, Absolutely. Or the worship team. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How yeah. is that? How do you, how, how, how do people do that? How do you keep moving? I I don't think you can. I think that's why eventually people, you know, have these failures and moral failures. And you see pastors and people in churches all the time that just they can't keep it going. And then they crash and burn, you know. And um, thankfully, when I crashed and burned, I had a very good support system around me. And um, I was able to 
um, do the right things to seek, seek counsel and to get on antidepressants. And, and a lot of times in churches, you don't have pe- you don't have that support system. Yeah. People try to do it on their own. They don't want to go to counselors and they don't want to get on antidepressants because that's seen as a weakness or right. why don't you just pray? And, mm-hmm. but that was never, that was not my story. Mm-hmm. And so I immediately, um, you know, got into counseling and stayed in counseling for years and took antidepressants for a few years and kind of got out of that deep hole. Something obviously led to a, a, a breakdown for you yes. to go to a counselor mm-hmm. to get medication. Some of these dark things that you were struggling with. Describe that time. What what was going on? Well, I was 20 years old and I was recently engaged. Um, and I was my life was in a transition. And I don't do very well with transitions anyway. I've learned that about myself. I have a hard time with transition, mm-hmm. transitional stages. Anyway, so now that I know that about myself, I can take precautions. But at that time, I didn't really know. Um, and so... I um, was self-medicating a lot of in a lot of different ways, yeah. and one of the ways that I began to self-medicate was to shoplift. Mm. And so I would go into stores um, in the mall, Southgate, and I would take clothes and and different things like that. And so I actually got caught one day and was arrested and taken to the um, police station. Mm. And so I had to call my dad. That was that was probably one of the most humbling things that I've ever had to do and to tell him because at that time nobody knew anything was wrong with me. That was the hiding that I was talking about. Um, So anyway, after that, my parents, you know, knew something was wrong and they were very supportive in getting me into counseling and um, getting me the help that I needed at that time. Yeah. So somehow by you taking an item at the store, it made you feel what? It was just how did it self medicate? It's hard to describe. You know, when you're depressed and you're and you have clinical depression, you do risky things to oh. just to, to lift you. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I was at that time so numb and flat that um, the shoplifting was a thrill. It was just mm-hmm. a it was just a, an act to get me to feel something. Yeah. And so. Um, because I didn't feel anything most of the time, the thrill of that became kind of an addiction. Yeah. So I've, I've studied a lot about it yeah. since then and learned that that's a real right. condition. So you got caught. You had to call your parents. They mm-hmm. took you to jail. You called them. They came, got you out, got into counseling, mm-hmm. got in some help. But I'm sure that everything didn't turn out great at that moment no. and the rest of your life was fine. Mm-mm. You still had to, to manage a lot of these dark thoughts you were you, you mentioned mm-hmm. antidepressants did you struggle with depression a lot in your 20s or what I think that I struggled with depression my whole life okay um starting from a young age so um, this was just the first time you were aware of it yes but I just you, didn't know there was no um title right there was you know so f- I think finally when I was diagnosed by the psychologist I think that that kind of gave um, a a word to what I was feeling, yeah. which was freeing for me, mm. um, because I didn't really know. I thought that something was wrong with me mm-hmm. internally, and um, now that I had a word, and I and I found out that it was actually quite common. And actually, when I started diving into different things that happened in my childhood and um, the way that I perceived some things, and 
um, bullying and different things like that, sexual molestation from when I was young. I, I learned that depression was just kind of a byproduct of all of that. Um, so that actually was a freeing time for me. Yeah. Well, being arrested obviously is a public yes. thing, you know, and I'm sure many people, especially in a small town, uh, learned about you being arrested and shoplifting and, and here you are serving at a church and singing on the worship team and all that, that I would imagine did not go over well. At no, the it didn't. And it was, yeah. it was, a, it was another very dark time for me. Um, but it was also now that I look back on it as hard as it was, because at that time I was engaged to Dale, um, who's now my husband, but he was singing in a, um, gospel southern gospel mm. group that was very well known in this community right. um so that was hard hard for him and hard for me i think to navigate through all of the shoplifting he was very involved in church as well and so um it was it was embarrassing yeah. um and it was a really hard time at that time but now that i look back on it it was it was actually one of the first times that i was be able to be transparent um and that actually has served me well in my, I'm 40 now, but in my thirties, I learned transparency and honesty. And that has been a lifeline for me. That was the start of that when I was 20 and I was arrested and everybody knew. Yeah. You couldn't hide anymore. Couldn't hide it anymore. That's right. You know, I, I have found Amber just in my own reading and counseling and my own life. It, it seems like when those dark things, whatever they are, and everybody has their own, issues they struggle with finally come to light and you're able to lay down the mask, you know, because you can't hide anymore. Sometimes that's the very thing that is used as a catalyst to get you healthy because you no longer have to fake it. That's right. You know, I've seen that in the lives of, of uh, pastors. I've seen that in the lives of public, um, you know, um, politicians or anyone who has a, a platform of influence. Um, whether it's an affair or whether it's embezzlement or whether it's drug addiction or what or depression or whatever, when it finally comes to light and all the masks come off and all the pretensions are gone and all the faking and all that, and they're finally able to stand there and say, hey, this is who I am, it's the first step toward genuine health. Absolutely. And you saw that in your own life because this all culminated in, in shoplifting. But that really wasn't the problem. Mm-mm, the shoplifting was, was a symptom, right? Mm-hmm. And now that you were exposed, if you will, for who you really are, and your parents were able to go, okay, our daughter has some some real issues here, and they loved you through it, mm-hmm. and they accepted you, and they stood with you, and Dale did as well. Yes, he did. And your brother, mm-hmm. and and there were other Christians oh, who yeah, came absolutely. around you and loved mm-hmm. you during that. You could finally begin to walk toward health. Yes. And the shoplifting as a symptom brought up some other things that were way down deep inside. Yes. Things that you've never dealt with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That what needed are, to come to light. Right. G- give us an example of something that, that came out as a result of the arrest and the humiliation and the counseling and all of that that possibly led you to the place where you were shoplifting to begin with. Mm-hmm. What were some of the things in the past that you just never dealt with? You just kind of went on and put the mask on and sang in church and faked it. Yes, absolutely. Um, One of the main things, I think, was just my self-esteem, my sense of of worthlessness. Um, So you carried that your whole life? My whole life. And um, now I know, I've studied the Enneagram enough to know that a lot of that is my personality type. 
Um, some of that was just you're situa- a three on the Enneagram. I am a three. Right? Yeah. Yep. Um, so a lot of that was because that's who I am naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that was just also things that happened to children. You know, we all right. have things that we go through when we're children at school and, you know, at other people's houses and just in your own home. Yeah. Um, but for me, with my personality type, I had a hard time um, with those things. You know, we're all different. And so I was able to, during counseling, um, and when I actually was on the medication and I was able to kind of level out and be honest with, you know, my struggles and what I dealt with as a child, um, that was, I was able to just heal from that, mm-hmm. you know, um, a lot of bullying, a lot of, you know, the sexual molestation for sure. Just feelings of, you know, that I'm not good enough yeah. feelings of I've got to do this to earn approval. I've got to do that. Okay, I can't do that anymore because that didn't work out well for me. So let me try this now. And it was just basically um, just a mask that I wore yeah. all the time. Yeah. So so no matter where you were in church or in mm-hmm. public, it was always kind of trying to keep everybody thinking you were good. That I was good. Yeah. Yes. But internally, that you was felt the whole thing. You know, yes. And a lot of it with the makeup and the clothes and the was just to throw people off to think that I was good. Everything was fine. Yeah. Well, I know that a little bit of your story and Dale's as well. And you guys uh, had some tension going on in your marriage because, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll we'll talk about this in a moment that, um, you know, all all of these things that you struggled with that led you to the uh, shoplifting and counseling, et cetera, is still not all gone today even. I would imagine yeah. you still have to manage some oh, of this. Oh, for sure. And I'm sure some of those voices come back mm-hmm. and you have to deal with it. But you guys went through a really tough time even within your marriage. And we won't get into all of the details of that. But you eventually said, hey, we, we need to begin a new chapter in our life, mm-hmm. which led you to Force Park. Yes. Which, you know, was a brand new chapter for us, too, when mm-hmm. you guys walked in uh, the door. Describe that season a little bit in your life. Yeah. Uh, walking into the, the, the church here and not really knowing anybody. And um, it was a tough time for you guys. So just just give us a little bit of kind of the feelings that were going on at that time. Well, um, we had been married for a few years and had Barrett was two at that time. And I was pregnant with Chandler that they're they're now 13 and 11. So it's been a long time ago. But I think that we needed a change in our life um, as far as church goes. And we talked through it and and prayed about it and decided to make a move to a different church. We had um, I had been in that church for my whole life. And Dale came once we were married and we um, were active and involved. But we just knew that we needed a change and it was time to move on. And so um, we began coming to Forest Park. I think that when we arrived at Forest Park we did not know how broken we were and we did not know what trouble we were in at that time Um, I look back on it now and it was like the epitome of I'm fine you're fine we're not going to talk about this we're going to just pretend like everything's good when it absolutely was not Um, and it took I think being here and being around real people that actually talked about their struggles and it was for us, it was like when we were around that authenticity and we began to have relationships with people who were actually like, you know, telling us things that they were struggling with at that moment and things that they didn't understand. And we were able to go, well, I, we're not doing OK either, you know. And mm-hmm. so that to me 
um, was a pivotal part of my journey. You know, I have learned, Amber, that often uh, people, especially church people, and I, I grew up in church like you did, so we have that, we sh- shared history there of really never even remember a time I wasn't in church. And I know what it's like, you know, to fake it and, and try to keep the image up and wear the mask. And I think in many ways it is why some of us church people are so afraid to be around people who uh, may be um, judged as vulgar or um, uh, too worldly, quote unquote. I, I think sometimes it is because they expose our own weaknesses. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they, they're just so much more free to talk about their pain or their hurt or the way they self-medicate. Mm-hmm. They talk about those things openly and honestly. And when we get around them, we start to see almost like our reflection in them. Mm-hmm. And we see how broken we are. Um, it's easy to, to create a church where everyone around you is equally faking it. Mm-hmm. And when you look in the mirror, you just... You see other people with masks and you think, I'm, I'm okay. But when you get around some real people, broken people, bleeding people, you realize, wow, I'm the same way. And that's scary to some people. Yeah. So you walked in here and you began to get around some people who were honest and real. And you began to see some problems in your own marriage. And I think mm-hmm. this began a journey, at least in my conversations with you and Dale, began a journey toward healing, mm-hmm. not just personally, but in your relationship as Absolutely. well, in your marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a lifeline for sure. Yeah. Well, you guys have grown and, and have done exceptional here in leading and, and um, helping other people get their marriages at least better mm-hmm. and at least walking toward health and wholeness. Um, but leading is difficult. It absolutely yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the, um, some of the, maybe some of the myths or some of the um, challenges of leadership that you didn't know? And now that you've been doing this for about mm-hmm. nine years, you've learned. What are well, yeah. some of the real challenges of, of leading? I think for me, one of the biggest is just like time management. Mm-hmm. I think that people, you know, have a misconception with leaders and pastors and church staff that, you know, we don't really do a whole lot. And mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say about pastors, well, all they have to do is work one yep. Sunday, you know, one yep. day a week. You know, that is so not true. There's so many things that go into, especially what we do here. Um, And we put our life and our passion and our, you know, we throw everything we can into this. And I think that a lot of people um, don't really know that Um, the, the tension of getting everything done, but yet being for me, being a mom and being a wife. And then, you know, with my job responsibilities, that's been the toughest for me is just margin, trying to figure everything out. Um, Another one I think would be that we have everything figured out, Mm -hmm. that we know the right thing to say all the time, that we're so inundated with the Bible and, and God, and that we have some, you know, secret kind of pathway to him you know what I mean and it's like if you can get the pastor or the church staff to pray for you then you know you're good and I think that we have struggles just like everyone else we have questions just like everyone else I don't know all the answers um and so you know that's one thing that I would say for sure and also one of the other things I think with being a leader is just um not not really being lonely, but at the same time, not really knowing who you can trust with certain things. 
Um, and a lot of that I think I bring from my church background, to be honest. But I think that you you feel like you have to be on yeah. a lot. And I try very hard to let people know that I'm I'm not on right now and I'm I'm having a hard time right now and just trying to be transparent, but also know who you can trust in those moments. Yeah. And and learning um, who you can trust is a is a tough that's yeah. a tough lesson to learn. Very tough. Yeah. yeah. Because you put yourself out, you know. I've always been a person who who trusted easily. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if someone tells me that, you know, um, I'm going to do this or this, I just believe they're going to do mm-hmm. what they say. And if someone says, hey, I got your back, you know, I'm going to be here for you, I'm loyal, you just assume that that means yeah. they're loyal. Um, and And people are broken. You know, I used to be, I think I used to be a lot more judgmental when they weren't quote unquote loyal or when they didn't do what they say, said they were going to do. I've learned today that, you know, not only am I a a person who is broken, but I'm surrounded by people who are broken. Mm -hmm. And often when when a person makes a promise in that moment, they mean it. Mm -hmm. It's not that they ever set out to disappoint or lie or uh, deceive yeah they were sincere and then I look back and go and and I've been that way many times mm-hmm. I've made promises and I never intended to break them or whatever but it's hard mm-hmm. as a leader because we're surrounded by by broken people by people who are um, trying to figure out life and life is hard mm-hmm and they're doing the best they can. Most people, yeah. I believe that about people. Marriage is tough. Parenting is tough. Leading is tough. And you're just surrounded by people who are doing the best they can with what they have. And most of them are volunteers. Mm-hmm. They've got full-time jobs. They're trying their best to sing and to teach and to lead. And it creates sometimes tension that is very difficult to navigate through mm-hmm. and to manage. So I, I know that we've all learned as a staff team here, um, hopefully how to be better mm-hmm. and how to lead more effectively. Yeah. But it's a tough one. It is. It's a tough sure. one. And I think when people move from sitting to getting involved and the curtain is lifted, if you will, and you see behind the scenes, they have a different perception of church mm-hmm. once they get involved. And then when you come on staff, when you say today that you probably have a whole different oh, yeah, perspective of what it means to lead a church than when you were just coming and sitting and mm-hmm. learning and even even singing. You still sing as a volunteer. Absolutely. But when you come on staff and you're actually here every day and you're you're in the ins and outs of things and you see the pain behind the scenes and the hurt and the confusion, it gives a different perspective. It absolutely does. Yeah. For sure. Well, you, you Amber, are a strong advocate for women, uh, especially women recognizing their own worth, their beauty. Um why is that? Why do you have such a passion for women? I know you do, a, often you'll write things and mm-hmm. post them in social media and doing your best to encourage mm-hmm. young ladies. Why is that? You know, I think for me, a lot of times with my writing, I'm not a very verbal person. Um, I've never been a very verbal person, which is why I think growing up, it was hard for people to actually know what was going on in me, inside of me mm-hmm. because I am not... Um, a verbal person, but I like to write things and um, journal. And so I think for me, writing is um, therapeutic in some ways. A lot of times if I write something, it's because I'm dealing with that. 
Um, so it's basically my writing to myself a lot of times. And then I use that um, to encourage other women because I know the struggle that we have with wanting everything to be just so and the pressures that are put on us um, by our culture and by the media to have this picture perfect life and marriage and our kids are color coordinated and we look like we stepped out of in style and plus we you know are successful in our jobs and that's a lot of pressure um, that we have and so a lot of times when I write things I'm writing them to encourage me and then I share that to encourage other people as well because I do want to be open about struggles that I have and I want to be transparent that we're all in this together and I think a lot of times um, for me growing up women were very competitive with each other and we always wanted to one up the other woman whether it was how we looked or you know our marriage and that's why I think I was talking about the hiding because you didn't want to expose anything happening because you were in competition with that other woman sitting across from you. And now, you know, that I'm where I am and I've had some of the experiences that I've had, like we're in this together. My, you're not my competition. Like my competition is me yesterday. Like I have to better myself for me and my family and I'm not in competition with you. And so I want to encourage every woman out there to be the best that they can be because if they're the best that they can be that's when the world changes that's when our kids change and that's when our marriages are better and that's when we can do better in our jobs that's how we change the world yeah that's so true i want you to imagine that you're sitting on a couch Mm -hmm. and across from you is 16 year old amber Mm -hmm. and there she is sitting there what would you say to her what do you wish you could go back and say to her yeah I think that I would just kind of tell her to relax like take some of the pressure off you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to have it all together and you don't have to um, internalize everything that you have people in your life that you can talk to that will be supportive of you that will encourage you and love you Um, I think that I would would tell her that she needs to believe in herself and she needs to start seeing herself the way that God sees her and the way that he created her to be. Um, because I think that at 16, I, I didn't, I didn't think that I was worth anything. I didn't see myself the way that God made me. And I think that as young as we can, we need to realize that we were all created for a purpose and we were all created to make a difference. Um, and we matter. Every single person matters. Yeah. I think that would have changed a lot of things for you if you would have believed that at 16. I do. I absolutely do. Yeah. And you have a real passion to help our students and especially Mm -hmm. our young girls to believe that about themselves. Yes. Yeah. What would you say to the parents who are listening now who might have that 13-year-old, 14-year-old right now? Um, how do you break through that? How do you get in? Do you just spend time with them? What do you say? I think a lot of it is just... You've got kids now that yeah, are becoming teenagers. I Actually, uh, you have uh, Barrett and Chandler, their ages are? Thir- Barrett's 13. He'll be 14 in um, November. Yeah. And Chandler's 11. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you've got one as a teenager, one getting ready to become a teenager, two boys. Yes. You know, in that very difficult season of mm-hmm. life. So as a parent, 
I know you're doing the best you can, you and Dale both, sure. to prepare. But what would you say to those parents out there? I think that just an awareness with parents is huge. I think that a lot of times, you know, as parents, we're going through our own things. We're, yeah. you know, we're trying to do this and this in our jobs. And, and I think that a lot of times our kids kind of get pushed to the to the back. You know, I don't think that that's intentional at yeah. all, but I think that, you know, a lot of times we can be so focused on us and yep. our, you know, agendas that we can kind of dismiss our children easily, especially our teenagers. And we feel like, you know, they're okay. I raised them well. And, mm-hmm. and I think that we definitely have to be aware of our children. We have to know our children's personalities. Um, we need to be aware of, you know, their patterns of of thinking and also just be in tune to um, them because if we're in tune to them, I think that we can pick up on certain behaviors and certain, you know, okay, you're not acting like yourself right now. Can you talk to me? Do you have a practice, um, anything that you do to try to stay involved in your boy's Mm -hmm. life? What, what's something that maybe you could give us a piece of advice or something that you've learned is mm-hmm. a valuable tool to just be self, you know, aware oh, of what's sure. going on yeah. in their lives? What do you do? I think that Dale and I both have made a conscious effort to be involved in the little things okay. that they, you know, they are involved in things that we nece- don't necessarily, um, you know, we don't, we don't care about Fortnite or yeah. We don't, some of the videos that they watch, you know, we could care less about that, but we try to give them our attention. If they say, hey, mom, watch this, this is mm-hmm. cool. You know, I try to, in that moment, be very engaged in that. Right. Okay, yeah, oh, that's funny. I can see where you would like that. Because mm-hmm. I feel like if we can get involved in their little activities that are kind of minute, then when the big things come up, then they'll be more likely to want to share with us yeah. those things. And um, we always you know, at night, try to have a little quiet time together where we pray together, ask each other, you know, what, what has been important to you in your day? What are you thankful for? Did something happen today that you are thankful for? What do you want to pray about? Is there anybody at school that you, you know, feel like you need, they need special prayer? We've just tried to kind of keep those communication lines open with them. Um, One of the things that we've kind of implemented now that they're going to other people's houses and spending the night, that was kind of a hard thing for me to let go because of my own experiences spending the night off with people when I was little. Um, But we have told them that we have a secret code that they can text us at any time. Mm. And there's no questions asked. I actually read this in a blog that a mother did. And um, if they are in a situation where they have peer pressure put on them or they're in an uncomfortable situation, if they text us that code, we will make an excuse to come and get them. So if they, you know, don't want to excuse themselves and say, I need to call my parents, if they text us that code, then we will immediately call them and make up some reason to come and get them. To take them out of that circumstance. Yeah, that's good. Um, They've not had to use that yet, but we we tell them often, you know, Use but the code that, if you that need builds to. and instills within them that you are their protectors, mm-hmm. you are their best friends, you are there to help them. Yep. You are, you know, that's mm-hmm. great. It's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. I read yeah. that in a blog and I was like, you know what? We're going to, and actually when Chandler left the house the other night, he said, if I get uncomfortable, I'm going to text you that code. Like yeah. he came up with that. He remembered that on that's his own. Great. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I think just be, being aware of your child and, um, knowing their personality because both of my boys have different personalities than yep. Dale and I have. Right. 
you know, they don't see the world like I see it, the world. Yeah. And I've had to research and study their personality yeah. types and learn how to relate to them on their level. Yeah. And, how they and the think. world is changing so much faster today and mm-hmm. technology is changing so much faster. I mean, just to think about where your boys will be 10 years from today. Yeah. You guys are going to have to stay involved all the way through because things in the world and media and connectivity and communication mm-hmm. platforms and all these different things will be different 10 years from today Absolutely. than right now. So you want to stay involved as much as you can. Well, Amber, your influence is not just here at Forest Park and just in your family, but I know you've been involved in outreach around mm-hmm. our world. And that's something that you've always been excited about. You've gone to Ecuador with Forest Park for a number of years. How many mm-hmm. times have you gone actually? Seven times. Seven Ecuador. times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And uh, that's been something very special to you. Yes. Yeah. What was it like when you just kind of, why do you keep going back? Because I know you make a, an effort and you're going to be going to Uganda, mm-hmm. correct? Coming yes. up in a few weeks, yep. which is really exciting. It'll be your first trip exciting. to Africa, I'm something you look forward to. So why do you make that such a big deal? Why do you sacrifice time and money and sell things and whatever you got yeah. to do to, to be a part of this trip? Why? I think for me, um, the first year that I went to Ecuador, I had no idea what to expect at all. But um, going to Ecuador that first year was actually a catalyst in my growth um, and my relationship with God because I was able to share things that I had never shared before. Yep. Um, I think when you go to another country, you kind of lose your inhibitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just I, I connected with um, missions on that first trip and um, I just feel like I have a lot to offer when I go over there. Um, and and I don't know. It's just loving people and their environment with no strings attached, basically. Yeah. Um, something about being around the kids and hugging them and looking them in the face. And even if I don't know how to speak the language, you know, they know that I love them at that moment. Right. Um, and it's, it's almost selfish to say, but the, I, I gain probably more than I give. Yeah. Um, and so, but I think that that's okay to, to admit that it's kind of a selfish mm-hmm. way, you know, sure. because I feel like when I go there, I'm actually making a difference yeah. and, you know, that makes me feel good. And I remember if, if I remember correctly, the first time you publicly shared the mm-hmm. experience of shoplifting and being arrested was actually in Ecuador It was at a prison for females. It was. And we got in that day and we had permission to go in and you stood up in front of, I don't even know how many ladies were there that day, mm-hmm. but you shared your story publicly for the first time. Yes, yeah. I did. That was a powerful it moment. Was I remember that. powerful. Yeah. Yes. That was some healing for you mm-hmm. and it helped many of the ladies there in the prison to realize that we all struggle. Absolutely. We all have our darkness. We all have our uh, mask that we put on mm-hmm. and, and we all have our our, our self-medication Absolutely. You know, that we run to. And I think I can pinpoint that moment as one of the moments that helped me on my journey of transparency, yeah. even when I got because back to the United States. Because when you got back, you began to talk about it a lot more. Yes. You began to share that story for a lot of the people here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would not have done that probably yeah. had I not had that experience yeah. in Ecuador yeah. because I was still in the hiding mode at that point. Yeah. And now you're going to Uganda. Mm-hmm. Lana uh, is leading a team yes. to Uganda and also Rwanda coming up in October, November. And you're going to be heading to Uganda for um, 10 days. For yeah. 10 days. Mm-hmm. And you're doing everything you can right now to raise money mm-hmm. uh, to cover the cost of that. You've got some things you're selling. And mm-hmm. yep. and what, what actually do you do? I know you, I see a lot of things online that you're, you're putting up for, for sale and, yep. and 
What, tell us a little, a little bit about that because that's important to you. Yes. Well, I um, started getting involved in essential oils a mm-hmm. few years back. Um, I don't, I'm not particularly a medication person. Yeah. I've always just kind of been um, natural in, in that. And um, I started kind of medicating with essential oils mm-hmm. in my own house um, and just love the benefits that I have from essential oils. And so I started selling just like little roller bottles to people who may wanted to try certain things, but didn't want to spend all the money I have, you know, I invested in essential oils. Um, so I just wanted people to kind of, to get a taste of what that was. And, um, people enjoy the rollers. I do one for sleep and for Um, there's actually one called liquid Xanax that's a calming (laughs) that people like but I started making um, body butters as well um, with natural ingredients Mm -hmm. that don't have a lot of chemicals um, and people really like those so I've just been selling those at ten dollars a piece and trying to raise my money and I've raised almost everything that I need now at this point yeah Yeah. so I'm I'm I think this is going to be a life-changing moment for you again Mm -hmm. and uh, Lana does a fantastic job leading the teams uh, both to Ecuador and now into Uganda and Rwanda and you're going to have a wonderful time there and you're going to be stretched and you're going to grow and you're going to see different things not only about the world but you're going to see different things about you Mm-hmm. And, and and who you are and why you are the way you are and, mm-hmm. and God's going to use it to, to do amazing things in you. Well, just a few more questions before okay. we wrap this up. Uh, what, are, what are you reading right now? What What's kind of really speaking to you? Um, I'm, I just finished um, a book by Rachel Hollis mm-hmm. called Girl, Wash Your Face. Yeah, that heard was a lot very about instrumental. That. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's, she's awesome. Great. I'm listening to her podcast yeah. now as well. And it's basically just motivation for women just yeah. to be all you can be yeah. and not let, you know, um, outside forces tell you who you need to be. And that's just been that's been a great book, a cool. great book. Yeah. Um, I am also reading leadership books. Um John Maxwell's, um, I can't even think of the name mm. of it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's got so many. He's got so many. <laughs> About being a leader. Yeah. It, I went blank. Yeah. Um, but the Girl, Wash Your Face has really been great. has been great for me. And now as as part of that, what I'm doing right now is I'm trying to, to journal more and do mm-hmm. more in my planner. Mm-hmm. So that it's not really a book. But right. for me, I'm trying to get up in the morning and plan my day, which has been great. I try to think of three things that I'm going to accomplish mm-hmm. that day, and I mark them off in the morning. And then at night, I reflect, Great. see if I've gotten those three things accomplished. Yeah. Would you say that's probably where you're being most challenged right now? Which is, yes. you know, again, back to time management yes, for you. Time that's management. just a constant it is. thing. I'm not very organized by nature. Yeah. I'm kind of a free floater. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of an up here person. Um, so I really have to, lists are very important for me mm-hmm. to stay on task and accomplish what I need to accomplish. Yeah. So I've really been trying to plan my day better. Um, there are certain things, and actually um, the the book study that Lana did here at the church with Simplify, yes. um, that's been huge for me too. I've tried to implement a lot of that in my calendar Good. as far as you schedule what's important mm-hmm. for you. So you schedule the, if you want to work out, you've got to plan that. If you want to, you know, schedule a date night with your husband, you have to plan that. And so I'm really trying to be more intentional with my calendar right now to build everything around that. So what are you listening to now? Some music. Um, I love Hillsong. I, mm-hmm. I can't kind of get I get a I can't get away from that. Yeah. Um, they've got a new one out. Um, anything basically that we do here at church. I listen to that. Um, the Living Hope 
Bethel. I love that right now. Um, I listen to a lot of worship music mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, You're the, still very involved the songs in the worship that we do here, here at Forest Park. Sure, yeah. yeah we have yeah. a worship night coming up mm-hmm. on September 28th, and that we're really excited about. Yes, that's going to be for. awesome. Yeah, you're going to be involved in that, and so many other people involved in that yeah. as well. And it's going to be an amazing night where we all come together, mm-hmm. and, and hopefully other churches will be involved as well, and people are invited. So. And just be a, a wonderful night of, of worship and growing and and uh, just allowing God to speak to us in his Absolutely. unique way. Absolutely. I yeah. think on Sunday mornings it's tough because we have the time constraints with yeah, the we do. services. You know, we're not able to actually um, sing, you know, go into a chorus more. We're not being, we're not able to be flexible yeah. on a Sunday morning. But the worship night, I think that we'll be able to actually be more flexible and act, get into the worship side yeah. more than we do on Sunday mornings, which is exciting. Right. So yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Good. All right, just a couple more questions, a little bit more lighthearted questions, and then we'll we'll wrap this up. Okay. Um, I say lighthearted. This might not be. This might be more of a deeper question for you. But if you could sit down with, with anyone and just have dinner with them or lunch with them, just you and this other person, and just pick their brain and talk with them and connect with them, past, hmm. uh, present, um, you know, whether they're still living today or not, who, who would mm-hmm. you, who would you choose to sit down with and just have a meal with and just have this downtime? That's with a them great just, question. Yeah. Um, I would have to say the person that's popping in my head right now is Anne Frank. Mm. Um, because I've always been drawn to her from a young age. We did a, a play. I think it was in the fifth grade. Um, just a little theatrical play at one of the elementary schools and I read as her character and ever since then I've just um, been drawn to her Um, that time period in general for Mm -hmm. me with the Holocaust and um, that has been a huge part of my life I've any book that I can read on the subject or go to the Holocaust Museum and different things like that Um, movies Schindler's List and the pianist I've always been kind of drawn to that time period. So I probably would say I would love to sit down with Anne Frank and actually yeah. find out what happened yeah. and um, a little bit about what she had to yeah. go through. No, that's a great, great answer. Mm-hmm. One more thing. If you could have a day off and do anything you want to do, what does a day off for Amber look oh, wow. like that you just love? You just um, enjoy it. You could plan your perfect day off. Mm-hmm. Well, I would be by myself. Okay. <laughs> Because I don't get a lot of time to myself these days with homeschooling and, you know. Um, I would probably just either get in the pool with a book, um, sit on the back porch, um, just probably stay at home by myself and do anything that I want to do. Watch, catch up on my shows that I like, um, read for a little bit. That would probably be what I would do. Yeah, pretty simple. Very simple. Yeah, mm-hmm. but just some time alone, yes. which is rare today with yes. two teenagers. It is or very rare. One teenager, one almost teenager. Yeah. It is rare. I'm sure. Yeah. And that, that probably won't change for a while. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. Well, Amber, thank you so much uh, for being our guest today. Thank you for all that you're doing here at Forest Park and how you're growing and learning and evolving. Thank you for all the people you impact, whether they're on social media or Uh, whether they're sitting in the congregation as you're singing. Thank you for all the different things that you've done here at Forest Park for for nine years of leading. I think you are a different person today. You've grown. You've been stretched. And I'm looking forward to what's next as you continue to grow and as you Mm -hmm. continue to learn and as you continue to impact people. So thanks so much much. for being here today. Thank you. 
Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Leader Podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning, please go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, I'd love to interact with you. You can reach me by visiting scottneal.me or like my page on Facebook at facebook.com slash scottneal online. I'd love to know what you're thinking and answer any questions you have.